0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Beau Bruce. Here at the Advent, we often remind you that Christianity did not begin with the New Testament. Indeed, the promise of Christ is found in the opening pages of Genesis. And God, just after the fall, tells the serpent in chapter 3 that he will put enmity between him and the woman and between his offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In the fall, mankind tried to take a shortcut to becoming like God by eating the fruit of the tree of good and evil. It proved disastrous. We weren't ready to be God. God knew it. In fact, so did we. We instantly realized the seriousness of our mistake, cowering in fear when God, as he always does, pursued us in love to save us. He banished us from the garden for our own sake so that we would not take the next shortcut to being God by eating the fruit of the tree of life. Through that disobedience which prevented our full alignment with God, we became separated from God. We no longer had the same close communion with God that allowed us to take walks with God in the cool of the day. We became so separated from God that our communion with his abundant life would no longer sustain us, and we would die. What God warned us about had come to pass. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. But this wasn't the last time that mankind tried to take a shortcut to being like God. Just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 11, we hear the following. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and left off building the city therefore its name was called babel because the lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth do not be discouraged my brothers and sisters god had bigger plans for us from the creation he had wanted us to speak with one voice and to be one people those plans would have to wait until we were a little more mature yes God would continue to love and pursue us, even though we wanted too much too soon. In the past few weeks, we've heard many different confused voices speaking with different sides. The cacophony is disturbing and perhaps at times a little scary. Mostly, those voices are reacting to the news of absolutely shocking, primarily racial injustices across our country. We know that those that we're hearing about are merely the tip of a deep iceberg, It contains so many stories that we have not and unfortunately may never be told. Numerous aggressions of a less severe but no less sinful nature. Even the unconscious biases we have divide us from our neighbors and they must be rooted out and thrown into the fire as trees that will not bear fruit. And to my brothers and sisters of color I say, us, because we know that this is not just a white versus insert your racial group here problem. Research tells us that racism can be and also all too often is in part perpetuated by the minority itself, even if the majority is primarily responsible for creating and sustaining it. So we all have some work to do, albeit to varying degrees. But let's first talk about some of the things we can be sure will work. First, we cannot make this issue go away by ignoring it. Absolute colorblindness only contributes to a failure to recognize that the problem exists and to tackle it. Second, an apology alone is not a solution. In the wise words of teacher Harriet in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, saying, I'm sorry, is the first step. Then, how can I help? I presume that this is why, unfortunately, so many of the countless, countless pages of emails and social media posts I've seen on this topic Seem to fall so flat, ring so disingenuous. Yet I hear voices ready to build a tower, ready to rise up and be more like our loving God, who loves each and every one of us and cherishes our unique and individual qualities. But are we trying to build a tower too tall? Are we again too soon trying to be as good as our loving, and good, as good and loving as our God is? I say no. I say no because Pentecost provides the certainty with which to say no. Let's take a moment to remind ourselves where we are in the story we've been working through over the last several weeks of the Easter season. We've seen how the disciples, just, they just really didn't get Jesus. They went back to their daily lives fishing despite witnessing the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. So many of our, us have done the same thing in the weeks since the resurrection. We all also heard Peter's threefold restoration, but in it, hint that Peter wasn't really ready to yet offer the same self-sacrificial love our Lord did in his incarnation, passion, and death. The apology was accepted, but the how can I help step was Jesus's command to feed the sheep, and Jesus was not talking about the white fuzzy animals he left back on his farm, no. Peter would have to love and care for his neighbors in a radical way, carrying a message that they first saw as exclusive for their own Jewish race and be willing to give that precious gift to persons of every race, creed, and color. They didn't do it by force. They didn't need to. They lived the good news of Christ, and it showed. It was a message that speaks to every human heart. Peter's work would result in Peter being nailed to a cross in Rome. And as we've been told upside down, by his own choice. Peter would ultimately freely choose to lay down his life for his brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what race, what color they were. He would come to be able, with God's help, to offer the self-sacrificial agape love the Lord wished from him and and that he wishes for us. So how did this coarse fisherman, who spent more time in the Gospels putting his foot in his mouth and denying Jesus than confessing him, and who did finally humbly admit that he recognized that he thought he could be God, had more power in himself to follow Jesus than he really actually did, turn into someone who would give one of the most rousing sermons of all on the day of Pentecost, help found churches throughout the known world, including our own in Antioch, and be so willing to accept death at the hands of the very worldly power. He had so believed at one point that Jesus had come to destroy of the sword? The answer is the Holy Spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit filled and animated the disciples, he has filled and is animating us. It is amazing that God wasn't satisfied with just offering us brotherly, philo love by walking with us in the garden, or even self-sacrificial agape love by his incarnation, passion, and death. No, God wanted to be in radical communion with us, to cleave to us in unifying Eros love. The bridegroom, Jesus, has married the bride, the church. In biblical times, fathers arranged marriages for their children, and it was expensive to marry your male children because you had to compensate the other family for the loss of the wife's valuable role in the household after she left her family and joined the groom's family. This compensation was called the mohar. but in addition, the groom was also expected to give gifts to his bride, called the matan. God the Father arranged the marriage of his only son, Jesus the bridegroom, to us, the church. And it came with a mohar at great price. Indeed, the cost was the shameful death of his son on the cross. But it was worth it. And now it's time to pay the matan to the bride. What a gift it was, God's Holy Spirit. God pursued us from the start, and he wants to unite himself with each and every one of us. What an amazing God we worship. Jesus invites us to unite with him when we consume his body and blood at the altar. He has asked each one of us to leave our old family, the world, behind and join his household. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside the temple of our hearts, ever uniting each and every one of us and infusing us with God's very presence. What happened at the day of Pentecost was God said, You, humankind, You're ready. You're ready to be like me. You don't even have to build too tall a tower because I'll build it for you nearly the whole way. Say one thing, I need your consent. I will not take the free will I created you with away from you. I want your true love, and only you can offer it. This new tower will not be one to make a name for yourselves, not to make you a god but for you to take the name of Jesus, to build a bridge to unite you to the one true God. Now don't get me wrong. We all know this tiny little gap, relinquishing our selfishness, our love of the world, and giving our obedience are a constant struggle. But it is the part that God cannot do for us. If you're able to, and if you do, you will become God's sons and daughters. Everything He has will be yours. You will be part of His household. And if God is with us in such a radical way, then we know we are capable of breaking down racism and all the other things that tear us apart. But we have to let go of ourselves, we have to die to the world. I ask you, are you ready? Racism is an enemy, God. Black lives matter. To those of you who want to reply, well, don't all lives matter? Of course they do. But just as we are highlighting the Holy Spirit today, and it takes nothing from the Father and the Son, black lives matter. We must all be part of writing this wrong. We all have a part to play. It will be hard. As those of us who are white are just starting to learn how poor a neighbor we have been sometimes, and it's likely we will make lots of missteps in our attempts to be part of the solution rather than compounding the problem, to all of us we need to always be on the ready to forgive and to be more understanding. We cannot take an us versus them stance on any of this. Both sides need to listen and love one another. The challenge is is exemplified by how hard it was to write these words, to say these words to you, afraid of offending. It's a sign of how deep the problem actually is. But we all need to speak freely and civilly about this. And again, I say we here because when I see people getting raped over the fire, and the coals of the internet over reasonable but misguided statements they made, especially when they apologize for them, I know we are not where I'm talking about. We need to assume the generally good intentions of most people around us. Most people are sincerely trying their best, and I know that best often far misses the mark. That's why we're here in this building right now. But without the safety to make mistakes and missteps, when we're unfriending people over the comments they make that we disagree with, we are not forging a world of unity, but want a further division. So where do we start? Well, we all have to start in saying to Jesus, to those around us, forgive me, a sinner. And the how do I help? In part by replying, God forgives and I forgive. But that's still just the beginning. Forgiveness breaks the chains of sin's bondage. It is the devil who wants us to keep the thoughts we are ashamed of to ourselves. We need to put out there, put them out there and let the light of God destroy their darkness. Forgiveness unifies, forgiveness is love. As Stephen taught us last week though, we're not destined to transform the world by ourselves. Even Jesus, I like to remind people, didn't go very far from where he was born. His mission was accomplished through his disciples and their disciples and the generations of disciples that have brought the good news to us. And if we are to succeed, at least in the long run, it will not be by changing our leaders, not by changing our laws, not by making our voices heard, but by changing our hearts. We must start and end By changing ourselves, not by thinking we are going to change others. The Greek for changing our hearts is metanoia, which we translate as repentance. But that's not just an individual act, because when we repent, we become more Christ-like. And if we change ourselves, then we will change those around us, for they will encounter through us the living God, who I will remind you overthrew the Roman Empire, through nonviolent means. We must together transform our hearts so that we can finish building that tower that bridges us to God. We are to be just another brick in the wall, not a dystopian one of Pink Floyd flame, but a strong brick that supports the New Jerusalem. When mankind decided to build the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Confusion, they said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks and burn them accordingly. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the new tower of certainty, the firm foundation upon which we lay our bricks. We offer our dust, the dust from which we are made, the dust to which we shall return, our very hearts, our very lives. We soften them with the water of baptism so that we can shape them with God's help into bricks. And today we celebrate how we burn that brick thoroughly with the fire from heaven, the Holy Spirit, until those bricks are as strong as their prototype, Jesus Christ our Lord. Then we lay our bricks upon those of the saints and the faithful Christians throughout the millennia. Since the day of Pentecost, the church has been building God's tower, new tower of certainty one brick at a time in unity and communion with our neighbor, a tower so strong that not racism, not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. It is time for our generation to reject the world, the flesh, and the devil that permits the legacy of Babel to continue, a legacy of a separated people arguing about their differences rather than cherishing their beautiful diversity. We must join with our brothers and sisters of the generations before and of this present generation each doing our part to support a tower of strength a tower of unity a tower of certainty a beautiful tower built of every race and color united under the banner and head of our one lord and savior jesus christ in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit god is one talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.